Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a very special guest star. Tell the listeners who you are, special guest. Hello, my name is Erin Rowe, and I am Ryan's younger sibling. Wow. Nepotism. (laughs) Yeah, how did I get on this? Well, we've never met before, so, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you're just like any other guest, and thrilled to have you. Thank you. I will throw it out there that um, I'm not... I'm a Muppet fan through Ryan, basically, so I hope I don't embarrass myself too much. I, well, we try to have people who are various levels of Muppet fan on the show anyway. That's good. You know, it's not, it's not that every guest we have is a, is a you know, huge Muppet enthusiast. They're just, they're all people who enjoy the Muppet movie. So okay, do you yes. enjoy the movie, Aaron? I do, yes. All right, let's, let's do this. Today we are looking at minutes 83 and 84 of the Muppet movie. We begin these minutes as the Muppets and Doc Hopper's gang realize that Animal's giant head is crashing through the top of a building. And we follow the Muppet gang to Hollywood, where Cloris Leachman refuses to let them in to audition. So we got to start at the very beginning, where, of course, the thing popping through Bunsen and Beaker's lab is giant Animal. Animal ate one of the... <laughs> pills from earlier in the movie and now his enormous giant head is popping out of the top of the building um and th- th- the first thing we need to say about this is that it is a real prop mm-hmm. it is in fact 15 feet tall and 40 feet wide prop of animals giant head and ryan how did we find out uh for sure that it was a giant prop that is a very large uh, animal. You, you're probably <laughs> alluding to the fact that a while back I tweeted at Frank Oz and asked him basically, is it true that this was, that the, this animal head was actually the giant size that we see it in the movie? And he uh, replied back to me and said, Jim wanted it real size and it was. However, I didn't perform it, so I don't know if it was worked with ease or if it was a struggle to perform. Huh. <laughs> Which I wonder who did perform it. I mean, I guess when Frank doesn't know who's going to know at this point. Yeah, well, because the other thing... It, I guess, if they're still around. Yeah, I mean, do you want to get into the like the, the stuff from the uh, American Cinematographer issue? Sure, yeah, by all means. Yeah. So, uh, the special effects, uh, I, I don't know. I think he's just credited as special effects in this movie. But um, a guy named Robbie Knott, who actually just very recently passed away... He was. Well, I, I, I was going to say, I don't think I knew his name. I mean, I, re- I read that article, but like, I didn't, the name didn't register. And when he died last month, July 2018, that was the first time I really heard of him. He did so many of the special effects in this film. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, anyways, what did he do about Animal? Sorry. Uh, yeah, so he's quoted in that 1979 American cinematographer issue um, with all the Muppet movie articles. Uh, he said, we created the world's largest puppet. We'll probably get into the Guinness Book of Records. We only built the head, collar, and hands, but it was a 15-foot head, a little larger than King Kong. 
And wow. he said, the main challenge for me was how to build it cheaply enough to fit into the budget and also hide it so that I wouldn't get too much criticism on it until it was finished. Something of that size you can't look at too closely. It really has to be seen in its proper setting. Hmm. We had four or five people working on it over a period of months, and they kept asking, what is that big thing we're working on? We built it out of very lightweight materials. Uh, so then he, in this uh, article, Robbie Knott says, Frank Oz, the animator of The Small Muppet, could operate it by himself. So I don't know if if Robbie Knott was uh, incorrect about that, and it ended up being some other puppeteer, or if... I, I feel like Frank Oz would remember if he actually puppeteered right. this thing. Seems like it, yeah. Well, I, I I would imagine Frank was out probably off working on other scenes. I mean, the scenes where we see animal moving, it looks like all of the Muppets are basically stationary. Yeah, they're just kind of standing there. Right. E- either they're not in the shot or it's such a wide shot that they're just kind of like, move, you know, waving back and forth. But it doesn't seem like Frank Oz, Dave Goals, you know, et cetera, Richard Hunt, Jerry Nelson. doesn't seem like those guys would have to be there to perform. Muppets for that scene. Right, they wouldn't so have could, had to be. It could have very well have just been like additional puppeteers while they were off shooting something else. Yeah. Did you say, were, were you reading how long it took to make it? Did he say? Um, They said over a period of months. That's crazy. Yeah, so they, then it's only in the movie for a few seconds, right? That's a really good point. Yeah, this is one of those things where they were just like, you know, we could do it an easier way. Because they could have just used forced perspective, like put the animal head really close to the camera or, you know, done it any number of other ways. But they, they just really wanted it to be real and look convincing. Well, and I think you feel it in the movie. Yeah, you can kind of tell. Doesn't It doesn't look like a special effects shot. It looks like... A giant puppet. I feel like when yeah. you first see it in close up bursting out of the building, you kind of think, well, maybe that could just be the the regular animal puppet and they're using some kind of optical effect. But then when it cuts to the shot where you where the camera is behind it and you can actually see uh, Doc well, Hopper no, and the Muppets the, in the same shot, that's when you can tell that it's real. The, yeah. Like, the, like, over-the-shoulder shot you're talking about. Yeah, is, like, from behind yeah. Animal's head. You can see all yeah. his his large, shaggy hairs. <laughs> right. It looks so great. Yeah. It's such a... And it's one of those things that... I, I mean, I don't know if they would have done it CGI in a Muppet movie now, but I think they would have just CGI'd in a, you know, shot of Animal's reg- regular animal into the shot. I think it would still be a puppet, but it would be a digital, like digitally inserted into the scene. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. yeah, I know they still definitely do try to use as you know practical effects or as practical as they can possibly get. But yeah, they they might uh, go a little bit uh, easier and cheaper now. Right. Um, so it's interesting that uh, Robbie not mentioned that they built his hands. So I'll include this when I post this episode on the Tough Pigs website. But there is a, a publicity shot. Um, where you can see Animal's hands kind of gripping the building as he uh, emerges. And I sent that to you guys. Did you take a look at that? Yes, and they are so cute. They are these spindly <laughs> little giant fingers coming through the roof. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be why they didn't use that. <laughs> because they do just, they yeah, they, they do look very thin and maybe just somehow not as menacing with those little hands. <laughs> I think that's right. 
I did want to get back to Robbie Knott for a second. Sure. Um, because as you mentioned, he passed away in July, 2018. Um, he, and We'll link to the Tough Pigs article uh, that you posted at that time. I think you wrote it. Uh, right. I think Joe... It looks like... Sorry, my apologies. Joe Hennis posted it. Yeah, uh, he actually wrote the, the one on the but website. On the Muppet movie, Robbie Knott created or helped, at least helped build and develop the diving bell that held Jim Henson during the Rainbow Connection scene, Kermit's bicycle, the mechanism that allowed there to be a driver in the trunk of the Studebaker, the rockin' electric mayhem church with the like moving walls, Gonzo flying with the balloons, the giant cream pie and billboard, animal's head, and then the rainbow explosion that we haven't seen yet. Um so that is quite a lot of memorable sequences from this film. It's pretty much every cool thing that you remember yeah. seeing in this movie. <laughs> right. And this is a name that Muppet fans didn't know until he passed away. Hmm. You know, I think it's I think it's a shame that we didn't know. I I would have I would have loved for Tough Pigs to have interviewed him. Yeah, yeah, you know, or something. But yeah, there's should... just so many who who put their heart and soul into these movies, and we don't even think about it. Right, exactly. Yeah, people that might not necessarily have worked on many other Muppet projects, but they made a major contribution to something like this. Yeah. Right. So this is our this is our minor salute to Robbie Knott. Thanks, Robbie did, Knott. Great work. Yeah. Thank you, Robbie Nutt. Um, I was wondering if somebody got to keep that giant animal head and who who has it now. That's a great question. And like, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I seem to recall that at one point we asked uh, Karen Falk, the Jim Henson Company archivist, but I don't remember... If she actually had an answer to that part of the question, I think she maybe she just didn't know. I mean, it would be it would take up a lot of space, right? Yeah, right. right. I mean, un un unless say Eric Jacobson lives inside it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think any any person connected to the Muppets is is hanging on to it. It's not the kind of thing that they could just put on display in one of these museum exhibitions that we have now. Although that would be amazing. Oh would... man, I'd love to see it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean. It, you you would think that they would want to keep it, but where could they possibly put it? Yeah, or it seems like one of the, it would be one of those things that the one of the people who worked so hard on it would be like, this makes sense for me to keep. Like, I want to keep this, but then it would just live somewhere for a long time, and you would never do anything with it. Yeah, yeah it's just just decomposed. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's like uh, when you're in a play, like when you're in a school play or like community theater, and you build a like a really cool prop or piece of scenery and you want to keep it, but then it's just like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Just stick it in my garage forever? Yeah, yep. we have we have that thing at our house, Ryan, that was like in one random play you did <laughs> when you were like in second grade or that's, something, that's, right? That's actually what I was thinking of. It's That's uh, the equivalent of this, because yes. it's like you look at it and you're like, well, I don't want to give it away, but... She's, she's a talking flower painted on <laughs> yeah. a, a wooden standee <laughs> and her name is Attila the Honeysuckle. <laughs> yeah, that's what kind of cone Fozzie Bear eats in this film wow <laughs> so you're just like Fozzie uh, so getting, getting back to the giant animal we've talked a lot about how the giant animal head came to be and what it looks like but how does it affect the scene what happens after animal's giant head destroys a building 
Uh, well, most importantly, Doc Hopper and his whole gang get terrified and run away. Mm-hmm. Which is a sequence that feels like it takes a very long time. <laughs> it kind of does. But I, I think they want us to know, like, this is really it. Like, this is this is it for Doc Hopper and the goons. They're, they're not coming back. Right. And we, we do get to hear Doc Hopper make some nice, uh, 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 noises, like, while <laughs> our head is freaking the building. Yeah, I also noticed that there's a shot where you can see Snake Walker just... He's totally cowering in front of animal. He's like he's he he actually puts his hands in front of his face at one point. Like he's like like no no not me. Yeah, which I love the idea that Snake Walker turned out to be just like a, he's basically the cowardly lion or something. <laughs> Real tough when we first see him, but when, when presented with conflict, yeah, he flees. Well, and as he runs away, his hat comes flying off. Yeah, which I never know. Yeah, he's not so tough. But so let me ask you both this. Do you remember being scared of this giant animal yourselves when, when you were youngsters? No, I loved him. I, I showed, so I showed this clip to my two-year-old Colin and I wanted to see what he did when animal popped out. And he was just like, he got so quiet. He's not quiet very often, but he got really quiet and just kind of looked at it in awe. So not Aww. necessarily scared, but also like he just couldn't. He was like mesmerized, basically. So, See, and my daughter is three and a half, so she's seen this movie a bunch of times. She's she's much more she's she's much more cynical about it because when she was watching this clip with me today, her reaction was, "If it rains, it's going to get wet in there." <laughs> There you go. That's true. So that's why Bunsen and Beaker come along on the trip because their their home just got destroyed. Animal destroyed their home. (laughs) They have to live somewhere else perfecting useful inventions. Yes. So the whole gang is running away, scared, with one exception. Max, who turns around and waves his hat excitedly and laughs, which finally showing his approval that Kermit is going to be free and Doc Hopper's plan has been foiled. This is throughout the movie. We've seen Max trying to break free of Doc Hopper and turning around, waving at Kermit and laughing triumphantly is the closest he gets. He still leaves with Doc Hopper. He does. Yeah. We don't know if he's going to finally uh, put in his resignation or, or what, but he's, yeah, he's, he's shown Doc Hopper his two colors. Right. Although I do love there, there's, which I'd never thought about. There's a great two shot where Doc Hopper is terrified out of his mind and Max has a huge smile on his face. Huh. A shot of just the two of them during the during the carnage, if you will. Oh, I see that now. Yeah. 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 Max is just smiling. Yeah. yeah. Huh. It's great. I love it. And it's, it's like, like you mentioned, it's the last time we see these guys in the movie. This is the last time we ever see any of these you know, bad guy characters. So I like that Max gets to go out on a high note. Yeah, yeah, this is the the exit of all of these guys. So, yeah, Doc Hopper, terrified. Snake Walker, terrified. Max, overjoyed. Goon in overalls who is not Jim Henson, terrified. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now that's a guy we should interview, right? (laughs) Yeah, the interview can be called, Are You Jim Henson? Question number one, are you Jim Henson? (laughs) Question number two, has anyone ever told you you kind of look like Jim Henson? That's it, and that's the end of the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. We should do it. Reach out to him. Yeah, we'll have to find him. 
So then what happens next is the Muppets all celebrate. They, they're not scared. It's just their buddy Animal. And so they all celebrate. And Kermit says, everybody on to Hollywood. And then yeah. everybody goes on to Hollywood. I wanted to point out, uh, Gonzo is doing this thing that... This is one of those things that I didn't notice was a, a, a Dave Gull's puppetry um, tendency until I, I kind of ascended to the level of Muppet super nerd. But uh, Gonzo is holding out both his arms, like arms outstretched, like that's how he's celebrating. I've actually always, and Joe Hennes and I have talked about this, I've always wanted to make a gift set of Gonzo, Traveling Matt, Rugby Tiger, and uh, Sir Didymus from Labyrinth. Yeah. All throwing like that, because I know they've all done it. I know you could do a shot of all four of them doing it in unison. If, if you lined up all four of the screenshots. I know you could. Yeah, those are the ones I was thinking of. Yeah. And, and for those who might not be familiar, Rugby Tiger from The Christmas Toy and Sir Didymus from uh, Labyrinth. Labyrinth, yep. And Traveling Matt from Fraggle Fra- Rock. I guess we should say also. There yes. are certainly people who like the Muppet movie and never watched Fraggle Rock. But you should. It's 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 real good. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, anyways, most of the Muppets are celebrating, and or the Muppets are all celebrating, and they get back in the in the Electric Mayhem bus and go to Hollywood. But before we talk about what happens in Hollywood, I want to talk about the music in this scene, which is on the soundtrack album. The songs are all there. Some instrumental reprises of the songs are there. And one piece of score, and it's this piece. And on the soundtrack, it's called Animal Comeback Animal. Yeah. Huh. I, I always like to think that those are the lyrics, and I, maybe you've had the same thought, but... Like, cause I you, not. Because you could easily... It goes... Bum, 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 so you could go, Animal, come back, Animal, come back, Animal. <laughs> Come back, animal. Would there be more words, or is that is that or those just no, the whole words? I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I never thought about that before. It fits. Um, I, it does fit. It's good. It's solid stuff. I do. <laughs> I do get this song in my head a lot, just from so many listenings of the soundtrack. Yeah. But it, it's it's not the it's not that opening part for me. It's the part when they're actually in the bus. The Bum 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 Oh yeah. That part. And um, in I think I've mentioned this on the show. In I think you have. In my real life, I am a middle school librarian. So one of the things I do is make book trailers with sixth graders on iMovie. And every time that I need hero music in my book trailer, it's always Animal Comeback Animal from the Muppet Movie soundtrack. That's amazing. <laughs> what I do is show them that they can like pull songs out of iTunes. And that's one of the few albums I have in my iTunes. So it's always, and, and, and they're not allowed to use uh, songs with words in their book trailers. Ah. So, yeah. Come back animal is my example. It's a good choice. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I, I think I mentioned this once before, but um, as far as I know, all of these, instrumental cues were written by Paul Williams himself. They were, um, if I'm remembering right from interviews he's done, he, they originally planned to have Paul Williams and Kenny Asher write those together as they wrote all the songs. But then uh, I believe Kenny Asher's wife had a baby. So he had to kind of 
step away and Paul Williams ended up writing all these uh, instrumental cues that we heard by himself and did a great job. Huh. Interesting. I didn't know. That's great. Yeah. So then they do get to Hollywood is the next thing. And before they go anywhere, we see them drive past a number of notable Hollywood landmarks. So let's talk about what those are. Um, the first, we, we see the, the actual Hollywood and Vine street sign. Uh, Dr. Teeth says, next stop, Hollywood and Vine. We see the street sign, and behind it, we can see the Capitol Records building, which is best known as that circular building that looks like a stack of records. Yeah. In, in Los Angeles. Um, so that's the first one. Well, the I think sec- before that, we actually see the Hollywood sign. Well, we see, right, we see the famous Hollywood sign, which I think is so obvious that I just kind of took it for granted or something, but you're right. First is the Hollywood sign. Second is the Capitol Records building. And the third one is at that time, man's Chinese theater, the famous Chinese theater with the uh, cement handprints of celebrities outside of it. Uh, Originally called Grauman's Chinese theater uh, from 1927 to 1973. It was called man's Chinese theater from 1973 to 2001. So that's what it is in the Muppet movie. And, And it is currently known as the TCL Chinese theater, which is a very bad football stadium sounding yeah it really because i think that is actually a corporation that just bought the naming rights to it so it's uh yeah it does not have the same ring to it as grauman's chinese theater theater is great man's chinese theater okay fine tcl chinese theater come on yeah no Uh, and then finally they they just passed the the pacific ocean and some palm trees which Fozzie's very excited about we hear Fozzie say look at the ocean the ocean yeah, well, and did you hear what Scooter said? I did not. Scooter says, oh, I can't wait to get my board out there. <laughs> have we ever known Scooter to be a surfing enthusiast? No, but he's a teen. He's That's cool true. Teen. <laughs> That's true. Like, there was a Scooter uh, uh, action figure that came with a skateboard, right? Yeah, but he skateboarded. So. I can't remember what... There's an episode of The Muppet Show where he's riding skateboard around through the whole thing. Oh, you're right, yeah. That's the one yeah. where everyone ends up on skateboards, right? Yes, and I'm I I can picture the closing number. Is it Lou Rawls? No, no, it's it's a woman. Lou Rawls is roller skates. Yeah, you know what? You're... Can we stop for a sec while I look it up and pretend that I know this the whole time? Well, let's just keep going because I was going to mention also about the Chinese theater. Um, okay, good. This is the real Chinese theater that we see in this movie. There is also a replica of this in Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World, which was featured prominently in the Muppets at Walt Disney World special. And uh, that replica theater has the handprints of Jim Henson and Kermit the Frog in the cement out front. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's a cool Um, thing. So Scooter rides his skateboard throughout the episode of The Muppet Show guest starring Anne Marie. Ah, I've seen that one maybe once, maybe twice. Yeah, I've seen it once, but it was also like two months ago, so I really should have remembered. Yeah. You know what? Here, Here's something else, actually. And maybe we should have watched the Blu-ray version of this, but there's it looks like maybe a marquee for a movie on the Chinese theater, but I can't make out what it is. Ah. It looks like some kind of logo. It is probably... Let's see. We should try to figure out what would have been playing <laughs> in 1978 when they were shooting this. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably Superman. If anyone out there knows what the marquee says, what the sign on the Chinese theater says, let us know in the comments. I was surprised at how little traffic there is during all of this. 
Oh, yeah. I kept yep. one, I was thinking, what time of day is it that they're just zipping on through everything? Well, I wonder if they didn't block off the streets or something. If they didn't block? Oh, you mean you think yeah. they probably did? Yeah, I wonder if they did. Like, it, it seems likely that they probably did. I'm sure yeah. they did. Yeah, Los Angeles traffic is probably never that easy to drive That's through. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> then they arrive at Worldwide Pictures, which at Kermit, of course, knew previously was holding open auditions for frogs. But when they walk in, Cloris Leachman is at the desk. And she's not so sure that they're holding open auditions for frogs. Who is Cloris Leachman? <laughs> well, Cloris Leachman is a famous actress who is still with us and is a legend and won nine Emmy Awards. Wow. Um, wow. She, she also won an Oscar for The Last Picture Show in 1971. She won nine Emmy Awards between 1971 and 2006. Um, she is probably, I think, best known for playing Phyllis on The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I would say so. And uh, for appearing in Young Frankenstein as Frau Blucher. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, Thank you. She was she was the great grandma on Raising Hope, a, a sitcom people may have seen. She was on the last couple seasons of The Facts of Life as the replacement of for Mrs. Garrett. Uh, she's in, you know, High Anxiety is a classic that she's in. She's in she has a very small but memorable role in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hmm. Um, she was uh, on Dancing with the Stars, also. Was the oh, I believe oldest ever contestant on Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Oh, how did she oh. do? She actually probably. I mean, she was. She hung in there for a while. Awesome. Yeah. Love good it. for her. Cloris Leachman is great. Um, yeah, and I mean, she's been working since the you know late forties, and she still is. How old is she? Doing? How old is she now? I want to say ninety-two. Wow. Wow. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, she was born April 30th, 1926. So as of this I, recording, she is 92 years old. Yeah, I feel like she's been playing like old people characters for about 30 years now. <laughs> she's, I mean, I think she's clearly playing an old lady in Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, and, obviously older than she actually was. Right. I mean, a, a movie that was shot when she was 47 years old. Huh. Hmm. Wow. You know, I think she's playing like an elderly woman. Yeah, she she was his grandfather's uh, uh, d young Doctor Frankenstein's grandfather was her boyfriend. So yeah, spoiler, spoilers for Young Frankenstein. <laughs> um, but and we should also mention she was on the Muppet Show in season two, which makes her, for those keeping count, our ninth and final Muppet Show guest star in wow. this film. Wow, which is the most appearances by Muppet Show guest stars in any Muppet movie. So those of you keeping track can check off your final box there. Yep. Wanted to make sure we mentioned them all. We did. There's nine. Um, and I should I, also, I should say her episode in season two, personally, is one of my favorite episodes. That is the episode where the pigs take over the show. Yeah, it's the one where the pigs take over the show. And it's amazing. The you Swedish got... pig, Fozzie pig, Kermit the pig. It's all great. Yeah. So Although, as I think you pointed out in a review on Tough Pigs, we never see a, a, a pig equivalent of Gonzo, right? Yeah, which is too bad. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. But great still, Gonzo pig. Still a great episode. It's in, it, If you have season two on DVD, watch it. And if you don't have that, check it out of the library and watch it. Yes, so do that now. In this film. <laughs> right now. Right now. Stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> and go. 
honest, that episode of the Muppet Show is much better than any episode of this podcast. So, by all means. Until now. Oh. <laughs> okay, good. I like self-confidence. There you go. Um, in this movie, Cordis Leachman answers the phone. I'm sorry, Mr. Lord can't be disturbed by anyone. He's packaging a blockbuster. That's her first line. Uh, which I feel like means something very different in 1979 than it does today. Yeah, I Do- guess... Uh... Blockbusters then were like disaster movies or like historical epics, and now it's just like giant computer animated monsters. I mean, yeah, yes, I, that's true in theory what you're saying. But do either of you know what the number one box office hit of 1979 was? Um, uh. was it something like Cannonball Run? It was Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Yeah. So that's... yeah, like, like that's what I'm saying. Can you can you imagine a very simple domestic drama about divorce being the number one hit of the year? What would be the equivalent from the past couple years of of a Kramer versus Kramer? Like a. I mean, it would be on TV. It would be. It would. Yeah. Be, no, you're right. Frankie or something. Yeah. Well, or it would be know? like it would be like if Lady Bird had been the number one highest grossing movie of last year. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good that's a good example. Yeah. Um, it would be like if the TV show This Is Us was the number one highest grossing movie. Wow. But yeah, so anyways, just that line stuck out to me because we think blockbuster now. Like you say, we imagine Captain America or Chewbacca or whatever. Chewbacca, of course, existed back then as a movie star. But um, he was very, Star Wars was very much the exception in a way it is not today. Yeah. Well, Star Wars kind of kind of begat all of today's blockbusters so right um so anyways kermit and the whole gang walk in um kermit is all eager to audition floyd encourages him tells him ain't nothing to it but to do it which is a great floyd line it's a great floyd line i feel like it's come up in in, in other places like maybe it was in that um that book it's not easy being green and other things to consider or i've seen it quoted somewhere as like a an affirmational, you know, like just you can do it. Repeat this line to yourself and you can do anything. Ah, I like that. Yeah. Ain't nothing to it, but to do it. Ain't nothing to it, but to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Floyd says it. And then uh, they're all excited to go in. Cloris Leachman slams the door on them, which she closes the door with a button from her desk. When I, what I love is that it's such this loud sl- echoing slam sound effect. It's not a subtle door closing sound effect. Yeah. Not at all. And then, last line of these clips, Cloris Leachman says, You can't just walk in here off the street. I thought it was an open audition, Cloris. Yeah. There seems to be some sort of uh, some sort of disconnect here between Worldwide Studios and their receptionist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because they're they're having an open audition for Frogs today at 2 o'clock. We don't know what time it is. Right. It's possible that the open auditions are long over because the, sh- because the showdown set them back. We, we don't know. But she should know that they had auditions for Frogs that day, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, she should know that. Well, I actually have a note, and I was going to mention this next time, but let me see if I can find it as long as we're talking about it. From the um, extremely beloved June 12th, 1978 draft of the screenplay. 
Um, she actually says, in checking around, we realized that there aren't any talented frogs, so Mr. Lord dropped the project. That would actually make more sense. Well, yeah. it's, it's an explanation, but it's not a it's not really a great one. So I think I don't know if we need it. Yeah, I kind of like it just as well this way. Yeah, you're probably right. But for like continuity purposes, <laughs> yeah, who cares, just, I guess. just to it's fill that in. Thing. Yeah. So any other thoughts about these two minutes before we close? Aaron, I'll start with you. Um, no, I don't think so. I when I freeze frame, like the way I paused it, this clip now, I'm just studying the, the mural behind her. And it's pretty interesting if you ever get a chance to pause on that little mural behind her. Yeah, it's right. kind of like a, like a film set. Like maybe they're filming a period piece. Yeah. And I, I assume that what we're looking at here is a set that was built for this scene. So, um, yeah, and I like it. This would, would you consider this art deco, this kind of uh, decor in this office? Yeah. Yeah. I like the look of it. Certainly, the, the yeah. fixtures are very art deco. The what? The light fixtures. Yeah, exactly. That's, are those, would those be sconces? Oh, I, I, you're you're way beyond me now. <laughs> sure, if I yeah. have my terminology right, I believe yeah. those are sconces. And yeah, yeah the whole thing kind of reminds me a little bit of like when you go into Thirty Rockefeller Center uh, in New York City, kind of that Art Deco look, including the mural. Yeah, sure, it's nice. I like it. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, the only other thing I was going to mention, I I just we've talked about Cloris Leachman, but this movie has so many cameo guest stars who really know how to make the most of their limited screen time and she is definitely on that list you can just tell so much about her even by the way she moves just like the way she kind of walks across the office you, you can kind of tell that she's uptight and that she's the kind of person who would you know try to kick kermit out of the office there's just something very business-like about her mm-hmm. and we'll see, we'll see a whole lot more of her next next time Yes, we will. Yes. There's a lot more Cloris Leachman ahead, folks. <laughs> um, so, Aaron, you mentioned a little bit at the st- you mentioned a little bit about this at the start of the show. We like to ask our guests, do you remember the first time you saw the Muppet movie? I, I guess Ryan showed it to you, probably. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I have no idea, but I honestly think I've probably only seen it once or twice. I'm trying to think of when. What's it? It's rated PG. Right? I think this one's rated G. G, okay. So mom would have allowed me to watch it pretty much whenever. <laughs> yeah, and also, yeah, I mean, it's a Muppet movie. There are guns in it and stuff, and because G used to mean something a little different than what it means now. Right. But, yeah, you know, it's a Muppet movie from the 70s. But if you've only seen it once or twice, where were you all those times I was watching it at home? Well, I guess only once or twice that I can remember. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of when the first time I would have like actually watched it how young I would have been. So it wasn't one that you were pulling off uh, the shelf of our VHS tape uh, cabinet when you were a kid. I don't think so. If you guys don't mind me asking, what's the age difference between you two? I'm six years older. You're six years older. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you would, you definitely have been the one calling the shots about who's about when we're watching the Muppet movie. Yeah. And I I mean, like I, I know, the first we had a copy of it that we taped off TV or something, but then when I was old enough to like have some of my well, it was still my allowance. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> the first commercially released copy I owned was that that one that came with a free watch. 
Oh. So, so like 1993 or 94, whenever that was. So I, I definitely would have watched that version when you would have been old enough to uh, to watch it uh, and remember it, Aaron. But I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what you remember about it. Is that the watch that we still have? <laughs> uh, both. So I have both Is it the, the green one. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Muppet movie watch and the Great Muppet Caper watch are still at our parents' house on a shelf. <laughs> oh, that's heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah, our, our parents are are great people. They save all of our our uh, mementos. <laughs> yeah, that's also where I have the uh, Great Muppet Caper drinking glasses that are poisonous. Oh yeah. yeah I, I have those in my home. Everyone I, has with, those. With my regular glasses that I drink out of. <laughs> don't drink out of those. They have lead paint. Uh-oh. I don't I don't very often unless I want to take some risk. You know what? We can talk about that next year though. Yeah, we will. When we do an entire year of podcasts about those great Muppet Caper glasses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So I think that that just about brings us down to the end. And we will uh, be back. But in the meantime, check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, all those places. Uh, once again, our theme music is by Stacy Rosen. Our logo is by Morgan Davey. So thank you to both of them. Uh, listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And Aaron, where, if anywhere, can our listeners find you? Um, Pretty much nowhere. I have, uh, but if you're friends with Ryan on Facebook, you should go check out pictures of uh, his adorable nephew on his page. <laughs> <laughs> Other than I, that, I just got he, Facebook and Instagram. He is adorable. Yes, he is. And again, I, I again, Aaron and I have never met. I can confirm her son is adorable. <laughs> oh, <Aww>. thank you. <laughs> Stop. Um, so, once again, thank you for being here, Aaron. And uh, listeners, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on iTunes and tell all your friends about the show. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.